Hey, thanks for being here. I'm glad you guys are here today. I want today to tell you about a friend of mine. And uh, you have friends, right? That was not convincing. Uh, ladies, do you have friends? Yeah. Men? That's what I thought. So, and I'm not, I'm not talking about Facebook friends here. I know you have, I know you guys have you know, like 3,000 Facebook friends or something like that. It doesn't really count. Because you can have, I've got friends on Facebook that I, that I don't know. I mean, really, I, I have friends on Facebook that I haven't even met. It's the weirdest thing. Um, whatever. So, you can't count them. So now, do you still have friends? Yeah. The ladies do. So, how many, ladies... Can I just ask, I, I, don't, I don't mean to be sexist or anything, I'm just kind of curious. La- ladies, like, do you guys have, like, more than three friends? Really? You know what the men are saying right now? Why do you have so many? <laughs> and their next question is, how did you get so many? And the next question is, how do you keep so many? It's like, it's just beyond us. We don't really get that. There's this thing in American culture where it seems like there's a lot of studies that, that have been done and things like that. It seems like American men just have some trouble, you know, building good, strong, solid, close friendships. And maybe men, we don't, we don't need as many as women need, you know, but to have one would be nice. I don't know. So um, I'm in a small group. We all, we're always talking about small groups here at Lakeside. We want people to be involved in a small group. We think it encourages your faith. It builds up your faith. And, and you get to encourage others that way. And so Donna and I are in a small group. We started a group a few years ago. And everybody in the group, all, the men in the group are pastors, lead pastors of churches here in the Sacramento region. So there's four couples in the group. And uh, so the husbands and wives all in the group together. And the men are all pastors. And so... Uh, it's been a delightful group for us to be involved in. It encourage, encourages my faith and encourages us to keep, you know, going forward as leaders and we relate to one another. And uh, one day we're having, our, we're having dinner together. Our, our group always meets for dinner. So we're having dinner together. And one of the guys kind of pipes up out of the blue and he goes, you know, I, I don't really have any close friends. And I'm like, oh, I'm sympathetic to that because that's true of a lot of, you know, men in our country and our culture. Like, and then the next guy goes, well, I, I don't really have any close friends either. And then the third guy goes, I, I don't really have any close friends either. And I'm like, what do you think we are? <laughs> I thought we were friends here. You know, nope, not so much. <laughs> and you end up realizing, at least you end up realizing that friendship is a gift. It is a gift to have people that are friends. It is a gift to have someone else who who comes alongside of you, who is intimate with you, who cares for you, and who is a friend. So I want to tell you about a friend of mine today. His story is found in the Bible. And so some of you go, oh, well, he's not really a friend. He's dead already. It's like, no, he's not. He's not dead, but he is my friend. And in fact, he's very close to me, and he is completely real, and he's my friend. But his story is told in the scriptures. And so I want to open up the Bible with you, and I want to just talk through some things about my friend. And so if you have your copy of the Bible with you, why don't you open up to John chapter 14. If you don't have a copy of the Bible with you, we've got some on the chairs next to you. You can reach over, grab one, pull out your smartphone if that's where your Bible is. You know, wherever it is, pull it out. Let's read together. And let me, uh, let me start in John chapter 14, verse 16. We finished here last week. I'm going to come back to it before we move forward. And uh, as a reminder, this is... this statement I'm about to read is a statement from Jesus. It's during a conversation that he's having with his disciples in a room where they, where they celebrated communion together, and it's the last night of Jesus' life on earth. He knows he's leaving, and he wants to get his disciples ready for that. So here's what he says. 
John 14, 16. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. So there's my friend. His, one of his names is Spirit of Truth. We also call him Holy Spirit. So we started this, la- we started this series last weekend called God 3.0. And it's all about the idea that God exists as God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. God exists three in one. And yet sometimes we kind of get distracted in our journey and we go, well, I believe in God the Father and I believe in God the Son. And, but that Spirit thing, I don't really get that. And so we sort of leave him out. And Jesus says, no, I'm, I'm going to send him specifically to you to be with you. And he calls him the spirit of truth. Another name that he calls him in this passage is the advocate. If you're reading the New International Version, which is what the Bibles on the chairs are, the New International Version calls him the advocate. The King James Version calls him the comforter. The New American Standard Translation calls him the helper. And the message calls him the friend. And the problem is there's all these different words that, you, that are used to translate the one word in Greek that, me, that John wrote down to say, this is who he is. So the Greek word that he used, you don't have to remember this, but the Greek word, maybe I should hold you to it. No, you don't have to remember this. So the Greek word is parakletos. It literally means someone who is called alongside to help. And that's why some, some translators call him the helper, some call him the comforter. Some call him the friend. That's a perfect description of a friend. Someone who is called alongside to help. I have a friend, one of these guys in this group. So I guess I thought he was a closer friend than he thinks. But anyway, so uh, I, I, about, I don't know, five years ago or something like that, I started having some vocal troubles. And when you're in my business, that's not a good thing. You know, it's not good to stand up all weekend and go, Hi. You know, that's just not, it's not cool. It's not comfortable. So I'm like, I got to get this thing taken care of. So I went and saw my doctor and I, you know, laid out what's going on. She sent me to a specialist, an, an ear, nose, and throat person. They, you know, stuck a light down my throat and looked in everything. They go, oh, it's all fine. They sent me to a speech therapist. So I met with a speech therapist trying to figure out why I kept losing my voice. And finally, I realized it's more than just in my throat. It's in my soul. There's something, there's something going on in my heart that's kind of that's leaking out physically in my throat. And so I called my friend up and I said, I said, I just, need to, just, I just need you to be with me. I need you to come alongside of me right now. And so he said, yeah, sure, let's go. So we got together for lunch and he began to listen to some of the stuff that was going on in my life at that time. And he began to ask questions that were relevant to what he was hearing about my story and the more he asked questions the more he pulled stuff out of my soul the more i realized that this is really a completely spiritual emotional issue not a physical issue at all and actually as a result of of him walking alongside of me those vocal problems pretty much went away because someone was a friend who would come alongside to help me Jesus says, I'm going to send you another advocate or another friend, and he's going to be able to come alongside of you to help you. That's what the Spirit's role is in our life. That's what my friend does in my life. I love that description of him. So Jesus says he's the Spirit of truth. He's a friend or a comforter or an advocate. And and he lets us know that our friend, the Holy Spirit, is a person. Now, sometimes that gets confusing for us, and sometimes we get distracted by science fiction theology. I don't, I'm sort of into science fiction these days. I don't know why. Like, I, like Donna and I watched Star Trek, The Wrath of Khan, the other night. 
I don't know why, I, whatever, it's like some old movie, whatever. So, but anyway, sometimes, and I told you this last week, we get distracted by Star Trek theology, where they had this prime director and they said, you know, they said, don't interfere in other cultures. And some people think that's what God does in this world. He doesn't interfere. That's Star Trek theology, and it's not true. Other Christians get kind of involved in what I would think of as Star Wars theology. Yes, yeah, so Star Wars theology. Um, George, George Lucas, when he got the whole Star Wars trilogy in his head, and he kind, of, he kind of lined out this one phrase, it captivated our culture. It captivated us because we're like, oh, I want to have power that's greater than my own. I want to be involved in something that's bigger than me. So he wrote this phrase into the, into the script, may the force be with you. And we're back in the late 70s, like, whoa, may the force be with you. But it sort of started to color our theology. And so now, Christianity Today did a survey uh, this, this month, and they, they were asking Christ followers, what do you believe about the Holy Spirit? And 51% of the people they surveyed said the Holy Spirit is an impersonal force. Now, half of you in the room might be going, well, yeah, what's wrong with that? It's like, no, but the Bible says he's a person. The Holy Spirit loves, the Holy Spirit feels, the Holy Spirit can be grieved. You can break the Holy Spirit's heart. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 4, don't grieve the Spirit of God. He is a person and he's able to relate to us as a person. He's able to come alongside of us to be a helper to us. He's our friend. In fact, he wants to be with us in the same way that he was with Jesus when Jesus was on this planet. Spirit of God was with Jesus every step of Jesus' life. The Spirit of God was with Jesus from his birth. In fact, the Spirit of God was, was there in his conception, in the conception of Jesus. So I, I apologize for this. I know it's not even Thanksgiving yet, but I'm going to talk about Christmas again like we did last week. So you who don't want to put your stuff, you know, your decorations and stuff up yet, sorry. It's coming anyway. So look, Matthew chapter 1, here's the story of the birth of Jesus. Matthew 1 verse 18 tells more about our friend the Holy Spirit. This is, how the, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that mean? In fact, there are religious groups that believe that the Holy Spirit came to earth in the form of a, of a human being, came in a physical body and had intercourse with Mary and she got pregnant. And some people think that's what that means. That is not what that means. We don't know what happened, but we do know this. She was a virgin. She didn't have sex with the Holy Spirit, but somehow she conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't explain that to you. No one's been able to explain that. But from the scripture, we believe that's the story. We believe that's the truth. And the Spirit of God was present at the conception of Jesus by this virgin named Mary. And the Spirit was with him at his birth. And the Spirit walked with him through his childhood. And when Jesus showed up at the Jordan River and said in Matthew chapter 3, which again we looked at last week, he, when he showed up at the Jordan River and said to John, baptize me. And John goes, no, you should baptize me. And Jesus goes, no, I insist. And so John baptized him. When Jesus came out of the water, a voice from heaven comes out and says, this is my son. I love him so much. I'm so proud of him. And at the same time, John looked up and he saw the Spirit of God somehow descending on Jesus, looking like a dove, and landed on him and rested on him. And nobody knows exactly what that looked like, but the Spirit of God 
walked with Jesus all the way through his life. In fact, the very next words you see in the book of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 4, say this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit. After his baptism, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And if you're kind of new at this, you go, well, that doesn't sound very friendly. Some of you are like, you know, if the Spirit's going to walk with me, he's going to lead me into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I don't want that. But in the process, when you see the story of Jesus' temptation, in the process of that, you realize that the Holy Spirit not only led him, but walked with him in the middle of that and actually defended Jesus, protected Jesus in the midst of the temptation. I'm willing to bet that, that sometimes you get tempted. Okay, I'm going to ask. Does anybody here ever get tempted? One guy really gets tempted bad. <laughs> okay, there we are. See, I, I'm with you, brother. We get tempted. It's like, well, what do I do? And how many times do we get tempted? Then we, get, when then we, we succumb to it. We get sucked up into it. We're like, oh, well, I'm just going to do it. I just can't resist. What if Jesus wouldn't have been able to resist that temptation? But the Spirit walked with him in the midst of that and protected him. And in fact, what you find is Jesus used the word of God to defend himself, to protect himself. And we're going to see this more a little bit later in our series. But you will find out as we go along that the Spirit of God uses the word of God to protect the people of God. And when the Spirit led Jesus out in the wilderness to be tempted by the evil one, he protected him by means of God's word. And in the way that the Spirit was with Jesus, the Spirit is still with us today. He is a person who walks with us, who lives with us. He walked all the way through Jesus' life with him. To the very end of his life, he was with them on the cross. And then when Jesus was, was dead and they placed him in a grave, it was the power of the Spirit of God that raised him from the dead. That kind of led us to our key verse for this whole series that we're walking through. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 11, which in a paraphrase says this. If the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, your life could be amazing. I wish you could lock I wish you could lock into that. I wish you could lock into that thought, that concept about who God is and who the spirit of God is in your life. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then the Bible says the spirit of God lives in you. He lives in you. And it's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. It takes all the power in the universe to raise someone from the dead. Way more power than any of us have. Way more power than all of us together have. And it's that spirit who raised Jesus from the dead who lives in us. If the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, your life could be, should be amazing. Jesus was talking with his disciples, he laid out why that was true. He laid out how that would work in us. And I want you to see that. Look at John chapter 16. 
verse 12. So John 16 is in this, it's in this upper room discourse where Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples still. And he's getting them ready for his departure. And so John 16, verse 12, is the crux of what he says about his spirit. Verse 12 says this. Jesus says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Sometimes, people who are Christ followers, and maybe it's just true of us as human beings, it's just kind of our nature, it's so interesting to go down these roads. Sometimes we get caught up in the dramatic things of life. Sometimes we get caught up in those things that are eye-popping, jaw-dropping events that happen in life. We're like, wow, that's really interesting. It's why men like movies where things blow up. It's like, wow, look at that. It's so captivating to us. And we get that, we get that same way in the spiritual world. So when these spiritual phenomena, phenomena happen around us, we get all intrigued and sort of caught up in that. So we, it's, it's intriguing when people speak in tongues, and it's intriguing when people heal someone. It's intriguing when, when the Holy Spirit shows his power off in this world. We're like, oh, i got to see more of that. Sometimes we get distracted by those things, and we mix We miss the crux of what the Spirit of God does in us. And here in John 16, Jesus says, here's the crux of what the Spirit of God does in you. First, he says he will guide you into all truth. That's not very flashy. Doesn't even look very powerful. But it's a huge gift the Spirit of God gives to us. He will guide you into all truth. What did Jesus say about truth? Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Truth is the great liberator. Truth is a great liberator. And so we get in all these different areas, we get so locked up in our lives. We get so thrown sideways by the things that come into our lives. Sometimes it happens in our marriages. You start out in your marriage, everything's going fine, it's going great. But then after a while, something goes sideways and you don't know how to deal with it. And sometimes it's because truth hasn't been told or truth hasn't been received. Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free, even in your marriage. And he said, the spirit of the spirit of truth, when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. Why? Because truth is the great liberator. Sometimes our marriages are sucking wind because we're not telling the truth. Sometimes our marriages are broken because we're not receiving the truth. And somehow we got into our system as human beings this thing that if we just hide from the truth, we'll be protected. Our children pick that up early. And I don't know if we teach it or if just something that's inside of them. They figure out if they tell the truth, they're going to get in trouble. So they withhold. They tell you sort of the truth, but not all the truth. You know, does that ever happen? And it locks up our families. It locks up our children. 
And Jesus said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, which can set you free. We need this in our workplaces, don't we? In your workplace, do people, does everybody always tell the truth? You people who are in sales, do you go up and, you know, go up against competitors who are also in sales and they're trying to, you know, sell to the same market that you are, but they're slicing edges off the corner. They're cutting corners. They're not, they're shading the truth a little. They're not telling the whole story about their product. And so now you have this feeling that's like, well, I can't compete if I don't compete like they do. So if they're going to shade the truth, I've got to shade the truth. If they're going to cut corners, I've got to cut corners. And all of a sudden we sacrifice our integrity to win the game. And we get locked up because we're not into the truth. Jesus said, when the Spirit comes, he will lead you into all truth. Same thing is true when we get into temptations. The only way to handle temptation is with the truth. Truth is the only thing that has power to free you. You need some friend who will come alongside of you to whom you can tell the truth. And of course, I would say that you need to have a human friend who does that, but you need to have a spiritual friend who does that. You need to have the Holy Spirit who does that, who comes alongside of you and leads you into all truth. It's part of what the Spirit of God does in our lives. Jesus says he will guide you into all truth. He says he will only speak what he hears. Now that part's weird to me. I mean, what's our theology about the Holy Spirit? Isn't the Holy Spirit God? Don't we call him God the Holy Spirit? Isn't he like, in our title, isn't he God 3.0? So God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. How come the Spirit can't speak what he wants? How come he only gets to speak what he hears? Well, it's in, in fact, it's exactly because he is the Spirit of God, because he is God the Spirit, he displays the character of God. And so he's just like Jesus. Jesus, when he came, he did not come to be served, but to serve. And the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he does not come to be served, but to serve. The Spirit of God has no ego that gets damaged if he has to say what the Father said. He came to serve, not to be served. He guides us into all truth, and he speaks only what he hears, and then this, and this is the most important piece. In fact, if you, if you forget everything we talked about last week, and you forget everything that comes in the next three weeks, and you forget everything I've already said today, which if you forget all that, I'm going to repeat it all. <laughs> but if you miss everything, don't miss this. Jesus said, he will glorify me. The Spirit will glorify Jesus. That's the most important thing Jesus said about the Spirit of God. Yeah, but that's not really very helpful, is it? How many of you, how many of you has you, uh uh-oh, how many of you have, how many of, wait for it. (laughs) How many of you have used the word glorify in a sentence this week? Two, three, Four, oh, look at the, the holy crowd over here. Listen, I like it. It's nice. 
It's awesome. Yeah, so, I mean, how many, we don't use glorify pretty much unless we're singing a song of praise, right? Glorify Jesus, you know. We don't use that word, so let me just help you. Here's, what the def, here's how the dictionary defines glorify. The word to glorify means to make something glorious. There you are. Don't you love it when a definition doesn't help at all? Okay, so here's what it really means. The word to glorify means to cause something to appear. Jesus said, the Spirit, when he comes, he will glorify me. He will cause me to appear. The word glorify means to display something's character. Jesus said, when the Spirit comes, he will display my character to this world. That's what the Spirit's primary function is in this world, his his role is to glorify Jesus, to make Jesus' character known to this world. Why? Because Jesus is gone. He's in heaven. He's there interceding for us, praying for us, but he's not here anymore. How are people going to know who Jesus is? Well, Jesus sent his spirit, and his job is to glorify Jesus. He, he makes Jesus' character appear, makes it visible. That's what it means to glorify Okay, some of you are getting this, and some of you are like me. So let me put it in terms that I can understand. I, in the last six weeks or so, I have become a label reader. Some of you are, yeah, some of you are label readers, but I've never been a label reader. I just see it and eat it. About six weeks ago, I found out that I am lactose intolerant, which is really bad when in your own, like in my own life, my three best food groups are ice cream, milkshakes, and cheeseburgers. And I found this out right on the cusp of the peppermint ice cream season. This is the worst thing ever. I'm dealing with it. But I read labels now. I've got to read labels because it turns out in all this food that we eat that's already packaged up, it's got milk in it everywhere. There's dried milk and refried milk and dehydrated milk and milk that used to be milk. And there's all this stuff about milk in our packages and stuff we eat. And I love all of it. And so i got to read the label. You know what the label does? You know what a label on a box of food does? It glorifies what's inside the box. It tells you what's inside the box. It makes the character of what's inside the box evident to you. And you better know it. If you, if you can't have dairy stuff, you better know what's in the box. And so the, the description on the outside tells you what's on the inside. When the Holy Spirit lives in you, he makes the character of Jesus seen through you. In other words, if someone else were to look at your life, you're a follower of Jesus and the Spirit of God is in your life, when someone else looks at what's on the label, you are, you, the Holy Spirit in you, they will see what's inside the box. Why does Paul say we are, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? We house the Spirit of God in our lives. When the Spirit of God is seen through us, what it's gonna, what's going to show up is Jesus. You will know a Spirit-filled person. Because if, you, if you've been reading the Bible, you go, oh, I want to be filled with God's Spirit. We're going to talk about that later in our series. But if you, if you come across a Spirit-filled person, you will know them by this. You will see Jesus through them. That's how you know if someone is filled with God's Spirit. Because the Spirit is showing them what's inside the box of your life. 
we saw it in John the Baptist. John the Baptist walked with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with God's Holy Spirit. So we saw in John that he lived with the Spirit of Christ in him. And you find in John chapter 3, verse 30, John says, Jesus must increase, I must decrease. That's a spiritual statement. That's a statement led by the Spirit of God. Jesus must increase, I must decrease. Because John's goal was to let the Spirit of Christ be known through him. The character of Christ to be known through him. I try and picture this, uh, or I'll, I'll use a picture of this from weddings. When I get to officiate a wedding, I try and help the groom understand this kind of thing with his bride. Never quite makes sense to them, but I try. So this last year, during the last year, I got to officiate weddings for two of my nieces. And so I, you know, I got to do the whole rehearsal and kind of lay it out and tell them how it's going to work and stuff like that. So I get the groom right here in front of me and go, look, Bubba, that's my niece. You be nice. No, that's a different speech I give to him. Uh, oh, so I, I, I tell the groom and I tell all the men on this side and all the women on this side of the wedding party, I say, look, this day is all about the bride. I say, wherever the bride is, during the ceremony, wherever the bride is, just turn your body toward the bride. When she's back there, just turn toward the bride. When she walks down the aisle, you just keep turning toward the bride. When she gets right up here, you just keep turning right toward the bride because it's all about her. Get used to it. Just messing with you. But that's true statement about who Jesus is. You put your faith in Jesus, you decide to follow Jesus, you become a disciple of Jesus, then in your life it becomes all about Jesus. And we're like John the Baptist where we say, Jesus must increase, I must decrease. It's why we need the Holy Spirit to come alongside of us in our lives so that he will not only uh, guide us into all truth, so that he will not only speak what he has heard, but so that he will glorify Jesus in us, so that when people look at our life, they will see what's inside the box, and what they'll find there is Jesus Christ. If you don't have the Spirit of God in your life, you will never be empowered to let Jesus shine through you. But if Jesus puts his Spirit in your life, and you learn to walk with him, which in the next few weekends we're about to talk about, you learn to walk with him, then the Spirit of God will make the Son of God's character clear through your life. And that's what my friend, the Holy Spirit, came to do. Jesus, I pray for us today for this. I'm still seeking, Jesus, to learn who you are. I'm still seeking to understand all the things that you did while you were with us and all the implications of those things for my life and for the life of my friends here. And Jesus, I just want to ask for me, for everybody in this room, for everybody in the family room, for everybody who listens to this online in the weeks to come, I just want to ask that you would fill us with your spirit. That there would not be a place in our lives where the spirit of truth doesn't enter in. That there would be nothing left unturned for him or by him and that he would steer us straight to you. And Jesus, I pray 
that as the Spirit grows inside of our lives and walks with us, I pray that you would be clearly seen in us and through us. And by that, that you would change our lives and change the lives of those people in our oikos, in our networks. And that through that, you would change this world. Lord, we need you. We need your spirit. And we pray for his ministry to be effective in our lives today. Jesus, thank you for this. We love you. We trust you together. Amen.